The Courage to Lead, episode 202. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Timothy Douglas. Timothy Douglas is a real estate investor, the host of the Living the Dream podcast, and founder of the Creative Dealmakers Mastermind. Timothy loves selling people on themselves and pushing them to take that next step towards their ideal life. Timothy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Absolutely. No, it's good stuff. Helping push people to take that next step. Why are people so afraid to take that step? You know, they look over and they see something they want and then they go, "Ah, I can't do it. Why? What holds them back? What holds them back? You know, I think it's a lot of, um, I think it all comes down to beliefs and thoughts. And I think those are typically created from the people you hang around, from the things you've experienced as you were growing up. And so we've kind of adopted these thoughts, these beliefs. And we, I don't want to say everybody, but a a lot of people seldom take the time to self-examine, self-reflect and become authentic with who they are and then present that to the world. And because of that, I think they're always scared to take that next step. And I am just here to sell people on being authentic because I think when we show up authentically, that is the best way that we can serve and add value to the world. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. I want to talk about more about that, kind of how you got your start, um, who you work with, how you help them, uh, some of the things you've got going on. But before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Um, listeners, though, these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asked these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Timothy, if you're ready, 10 questions for you, sir. Sounds good. Question- All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? My favorite word. (laughs) So I would say this kind of switches up. This is a funny answer. I'll I'll give a funny answer and a serious answer. How about that? Okay. So the funny answer is I watched this anime recently, Spy X Family, and they said the word elegant a lot. So (laughs) I really love the word elegant because they said it in a very kind of funny context. Okay. The word that means the most to me by far is just love because I try to live my life from love. And I think at the core of life, that's really all there is. Love. Excellent. Yeah, totally agree. All right. What is your least favorite word? Least favorite word is probably can't. Yeah. What turns you on? Ooh, turns me on. What are we talking about here? (laughs) (laughs) Easy. Easy. No, I'll just play it. I'll just play it. Um, what turns me on is the opportunity to walk through life with people. Um, and when I talk about that, selling people on themselves, it's really a process of living life together and me pushing that person to become the best version of themselves, as well as them holding me accountable to accountable to becoming the best version of myself. So that's really what gets me going. Nice. And that's the power of the mastermind. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. What turns you off? What turns me off? I would say people giving excuses that don't make any sense, like at all, like just be honest with yourself and say, you're just scared 
and then confront that fear versus I can't because of this. I can't because of this. Like just get to the root of it. Excellent. Very cool. All right. What sound or noise do you love? Ooh, I really love um, kind of like trickling water. If that Mm. makes sense. It's very relaxing. Yeah. Calming. Absolutely. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Like a screeching sound, like nails on a chalkboard type of vibes. Can't uh, it like makes me shiver. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word. I don't know if people consider this a a curse word, but it rhymes with bigger. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. A lot of people probably do. Yeah. A lot of people probably do. (laughs) Yeah. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Profession other than my own would I like to attempt? Probably something around. Hmm. I got to be careful what I say here because I'm going to go do it if I say it. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to do some sort of extreme sport, not too extreme where it's like death is like pending, but something where it gets the adrenaline going. Okay. Have you ever done anything like that? Um, I haven't done anything crazy, um, but like I've done like mild hikes and I would like to do more extreme versions of hikes, maybe like a skydiving or something like that. Yeah. Skydiving, hang gliding. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, what profession would you not like to do? Like secretarial work. I'm, I'm a big vision guy. I really don't like being in the weeds of stuff. I like putting stuff together, hence creative deal maker. Cool. All right. Very good. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Ooh, if heaven exists, what would I like to hear God say when I arrive at the pearly gates? I think I would want God to look me kind of in the face and say, um, I've been waiting for you. Glad that you're here. Good job. Absolutely. All right. Good answers. All right, Timothy, we're going to take a brief pause, but when we get back, we're going to talk about how you got your start, how you got to where you are now who you work with and how you help them. And then at some point we'll transition into courage and leadership. All right. Sounds good. All right, listeners, we're going to talk about all that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Timothy Douglas. Tim, thanks again for taking time out of your busy day to be on the program with us. Really appreciate it. So we were talking a little bit earlier about how people kind of talk themselves out of taking those next steps, right? I had a a friend of mine who um, his dad must've told him, oh, you're not good enough. And that stuck with him. And anytime he came up to do something, that little voice in the back of his mind said, oh, remember, you're not good enough. And he held on to that. And I'm sure it held him back from a lot of things. Is that the kind of thing you you deal with when you're working with your your clients? 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When I'm working with people that that's the primary thing I like to go through really identifying some of those limiting beliefs and then, uh, creating some abundant beliefs. Like how do you want your life to look? What does your ideal life look like? What are your ideal thoughts? And then drilling them in, acting off of them, becoming that person. That's what I love to do with people. Yeah. And, uh, how did you get your start doing this? I mean, did you have somebody in, in your career that helped you and you said, Hey man, this is what I want to do. It was a lot of self-improvement. So when I was a young person playing football, my coach looked at everybody on the team and said, look at the person next to you. If they're doing it, you can do it too. So I did inherit and adopt a lot of limiting beliefs, but that one abundant belief stuck with me. And because of that, I was on the self-improvement journey. I wanted to change my family's life and change the world, still have both of those goals. And I would say from that, I started learning and I wouldn't say one person came alongside me, but it was a lot of people as I networked, as I grew that kind of poured into me and was like, Hey, you're thinking on the right path. Maybe they prompted me to think a little bigger. Maybe they prompted me to be a little bit more consistent, whatever it may be, but um, they like affirmed what my beliefs already were. And that kind of gave me the um, reinforcement that I needed to kind of keep going. It's so easy to slip back into those, the patterns of, oh, why try? Oh, that's not for me. That's for somebody else or something like that. How do you overcome that? Yeah, I think the best way to do it is realize that And this is something that um, may be a little extreme in my viewpoint, but realize that you have a moral obligation to be the most successful version of yourself, because at that point, that's when you can turn around and help those you love the most. And so my question to a lot of people is when they're not doing something that they so obviously can do and that will impact their lives and the people around them, I ask them, I'm like, if you saw somebody hanging off a cliff and you were able to help them and you chose not to, because lifting them from the edge would be a little hard on you, would you be able to live with yourself? And that's an extreme example. Oftentimes in our lives, people's lives aren't on the line, but we have the opportunity to help people and we choose not to. And I think there's a moral dilemma there that a lot of people, if brought face to face with it, would be like, oh, I do need to put in the work. I do need to stay motivated. So I say keeping a clear vision on who you're looking to serve is a really great way to push through those days and then surrounding yourself with like-minded people. So people who aren't going to be like, Oh no, it's okay to take the week off when um, something needs to be done to serve somebody. Not saying it's not okay to take the week off, but sometimes priorities mean you need to not take the week off. Yeah. Whatever that may mean for your life. The moral obligation though. I like that. Um, Cause I, you know, talking to my clients, try to get them to identify their zone of genius. Where do you really, I mean, uh, it's, it's where your, your skill, your mastery you know, your, your love or passion all come together. Right. Um, and to work in that. And if you don't do it, you're not only shortchanging yourself, you're shortchanging the world because the world needs people that are really engaged, really passionate about what they do and, and, and good at their, their skills and stuff. But the moral obligation, I like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how did you get involved in real estate investing? When did that happen? Yeah. So again, I have to go back to when I was a little younger, when I was 14, I made the decision to produce financial freedom for myself and my family. And my mom, being the genius that she is, said, look at what the wealthy people are doing and do that. Ran across this stat that 90% of millionaires who had ever become millionaires did so through real estate. So I was like, okay, 
it's probably a good field to be in if I'm looking for financial freedom. And so at that point, I started learning about real estate, started getting really passionate about real estate, how it could change my life, how it could change other people's lives. Nice. And so do you, you, you're investing now, are you investing in single family homes or multifamily homes? What are you doing? Yeah. So I actually have some partners I'm working with to basically flip land. It's called wholesaling for those of you who are more familiar with the real estate space, but we get some land under contract and we either assign it or we buy it real quick and then sell it 30 minutes later for five, 10, 20, $30,000 more. And so we're wholesaling vacant land and single family homes, but long-term it's like investing in multifamily apartment Mm -hmm. complexes for me. So right now, younger, my net worth isn't quite where it needs to be to just buy these things outright. So more creative financing, looking at seller financing, my first multifamily apartment complex is, or, you know, partnering to do a syndication works too. Mm -hmm. I'm open to both, but. um, Yeah. OPM, other people's money, right? OPM. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I talked to somebody else who did wholesaling and I had not really heard about that before. But I think that's a, a interesting way to do it. You find somebody who's willing to sell their house, you kind of get them under contract, but then you find somebody you can sell it to, right? So yep. it's, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to be careful where you do it because sometimes it can be construed as brokerage activity. And if you don't have a real estate license, you need to be careful. So just make sure you're familiar with the laws in your area, but also you could just buy the property, double close on it, buy it and then sell it and you're totally yeah. fine. Nice. That is awesome. I love that. So tell me about the creative deal makers. Where did that come from and how do you, how do you help these folks? So this I would say is what aligns most with my genius zone. I love walking through life with people. I love helping people push back past barriers, selling them on themselves to kind of take the leap based on what they want to do. And really the only thing holding us back from ever doing what we want to do is getting creative enough. Because what I've realized is at the core of business, at the core of success, it's relationships. If you don't have relationships, you're probably not going to be very successful. So you just need to know the right people, understand how to put together something that is a lucrative enough deal and incentivizes everybody in the transaction such that we can all benefit. So quick example for like real estate. If I find an apartment, a 100 unit apartment, it's like I found the deal we need capital. Well, if I know somebody who can raise $20 million in capital, I don't need to know how to raise capital. I just partner with that person and say, I'm a younger dude, haven't done my first deal yet. Investors won't really trust me to run the deal. So I find somebody with experience who has ran the deal and we all get equity and the investors get a return on their money. That's an example of a creative deal. That's a cookie cutter creative deal. A lot of people do it. It's real estate syndication, but you can get more creative in business and in life in general. Interesting. And so the people that come into your mastermind, um, where are they? Are they starting off in their real estate investing career? Yep, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's not all real estate focused, actually. So I go, if you come in the mastermind, I'm really trying to get you to do one of two things. It's either buy real estate creatively or buy businesses creatively. And if you don't want to do one of those two things, I'll also help you start a venture Startups are just harder to get off the ground, (laughs) less chance of success. Like if you want income faster to kind of change your life and do all that stuff, you should buy it. You shouldn't start a start a business. But if you have a passion project, I will also help you start that business. And you come into the mastermind. I typically like people who are younger, um, kind of in their 20s, looking to jump into entrepreneurship and have 
a high risk tolerance because when you're partnering with people and you're taking on debt and you're buying stuff that um, you need to leverage other people's money for, yeah. it's risky. And you have to present yourself in a confident enough manner where it's like, yeah. I'm not going to go the route where I work 30 years, save this up and then buy it. It's like, no, I'm buying it with other people's money, which means you're kind of a fiduciary of like, yeah. you need to, you have a moral obligation to that person to provide returns and do the best that you can to make that deal work. And so yeah. it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of risk, but that's why I kind of go for younger people. Cause when you have a family and you have kids, um, it might be a little harder to risk that much. Absolutely. Absolutely. But real estate is such a great uh, business to get in because right. They're not making any more land. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you've got, I mean, let's Hawaii. I mean, <laughs> Hawaii's growing a little bit, but you're not, you know, so these houses are going to continue to go up in value, or at least the land they're sitting on is going to continue to go up in value. So even if you invest in a small starter type home, you'll still be able to turn that for a small profit and then invest that in something bigger, invest that in something bigger and just keep growing up the ladder. Absolutely. I, I, I would say that's one of the best ways to do it. it. It all depends on your goals, right? Like if you're trying to get financially free in the next five years, um, you're going to have to take on more risk to do it and you're going to have a way higher chance of failure. You have to be willing to go bankrupt, honestly, yeah. to do it. Now, if you kind of want to scale slowly and get financially free in the next 15, 20 years, buying the starter home, which that is a perfect way to do it. Like, absolutely. I don't want to, I'm not casting judgment either way. That's a perfect way to do it. Buy a house, get the starter home, flip it for a hundred thousand more after you hold it for two, three, four, five years, mm -hmm. and then take that hundred thousand, pour it into a bigger home and you'll scale with real estate. Just, you know, working your job, running your small business or whatever you may be doing, doing your consulting and, um, you know, increasing your capital kind of reserve that you have through real estate. It's a yeah. perfect way to do it. It's such a great investment. And honestly, I recommend it for a lot of people who are just like, yeah, I just want to be financially free in the next 10 years. I'm like, get a house hack where you buy, mm -hmm. buy a house on like a 3%, 3.5% down payment. And you buy like a duplex, triplex or quadplex. It's called house hacking. And mm -hmm. um, you rent out the other rooms, rent out the other units to nice. cover your mortgage. So yep. Nice. Yeah. I had a, a buddy of mine that he would buy a house, fix it up a little bit, and then either do a lease purchase, right? Or lease it out yep. for a while. So they were paying kind of his mortgage payment on it. And then after a couple of years, he would sell it, put part of the money back into two houses. And then he'd lease one of them out, sell the other one, take that money, go into two more houses and just kept building his little portfolio. Oh yeah. It's awesome. such a, such a good way to build. And if you have patience and you have consistency and you know what you're looking for, you really can do some damage on the financial end um, in five years, six yeah. years, seven years of buying real estate. Nice. So do you have a team of, of like agency you go through or do you have your license yourself? So I actually was licensed okay. and I got rid of my license because I, <laughs> a little bit about my story. I jumped into real estate full-time selling it, realized I was going to make a lot of money, but have golden handcuffs. I was not willing to go through life with golden handcuffs. So I pivoted. Hence my podcast, hence selling people on themselves, walking through life with people. Um, but so I've gotten rid of my agency license since then. And now I just kind of do the investing thing, which you don't really need a license to do. And honestly, you don't have to go through agents to do it. A lot of investors find off-market properties and do business direct to seller. That's where most of the profits are made. Nice. Um, 
So yeah, I don't really go through a team of agents. We kind of, in the investor world, we kind of try to stay clear of agents because you got to pay them 6% of that purchase, right. price, which a lot of people yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, and as a wholesaler, yeah, you don't have to have your license, right? As long as you stay within the, the rules and guidelines and stuff. Where do you find the properties that you invest in? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it depends where you're looking to invest. If you're looking for single family, you can buy lists of properties and in PropStream, that's what the website is called. They It's $99 a month. They'll give you a list of 10,000 properties that are like pre-foreclosure, um, tax lien, kind of distressed sellers. You want to go to people okay. where you can solve a problem. Like if somebody doesn't need to sell their house now, there's probably not a lot of profit in it. And you should leave right. that for either a hedge fund or another just residential buyer. But if somebody needs to sell their home fast, like they're going to get foreclosed on, maybe there was a death in the family. It went into escrow, yeah. tax lien, divorce, all that good stuff, um, which is not good at all. It's honestly heartbreaking. So that was a yeah. figure of speech. But you can go to that person. You can solve their problem. And it'll be no sweat off their back because they get out of debt. You get a property. You can flip it for cash. And um, that's really where you find the properties, distressed sellers. And it's the same way across the board. Like you can go to 100 unit apartment complexes and you're going to have to use a different website than PropStream, but there's a website that you can pull lists from and that list will have distressed sellers, people who are more likely to sell and you can reach out to them and look to buy. Interesting. Yeah. You're helping somebody maybe save their credit, right? Instead of having a foreclosure on the credit, you can give them some cash to walk away and then you've got the property. Um, And I hear that the multifamily are great because small improvements, right? Especially an apartment complex, let's say. Small improvements in the apartment complex, you raise the rent, right? Build it up a little bit, raise the rent. And then you've automatically improved the value of the the property and turn around and flip it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you've improved it so much. It's because of how they're valuated, right? So Mm -hmm. if you increase the NOI on a multi, which is the net operating income on a multifamily property, say by $50 a month, say you have one unit, which that wouldn't be a multifamily property, but just for simple math, you increase it by $50 a month, well, that, and say you're selling it at a 10% cap rate, that $50 a month gets divided by that 10%, which I think is like, that's $500, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Quick math. $500 in equity. But then you bring that across, um, that's $500 in equity per month. So $6,000 in equity for the year because it mm-hmm. adds $50 a month, $600 divided right. by 10, etc. And so- Scale that and up. Multiply that, yeah, by the number of units. Yeah. And so a small $50 increase across 100 units, 200 units, 300 units can make you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Yeah. Excellent. Very cool. So, where did you, we, we talk about courage on this podcast, right? Where do you find the courage? We, I, I asked people um, where they found the courage to walk away from the nine to five job, that comfort zone of, of the nine to five to start their own business and, and create their own success, where they find the courage to overcome the setbacks, like the divorce, the bankruptcies, things like that. Um, how about you? Where did you find your courage? Where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that courage came from me feeling my own pain and then looking at others' pain and circumstances and realizing that they had it worse than I did. So it was a mix of gratitude and empathy, if that makes sense. And so I grew up, I was in pain because my family had kind of been torn apart because of finances. Like it was 
the topic of the house. There was always arguments about it. And um, my family just struggled with finances. And I experienced pain because of that. When I got in touch with that pain, I started to heal from that pain. I realized how hard it was for me to actually be at a financial deficit for so long. Well, then I would look at homeless people and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what their circumstances have been, but they like literally don't have a home. And I was stressed because of this, how much more stressed must a lot of them be? Granted, since I've, um, I've grown a little bit, I've learned that it's not the stuff that always makes you happy. So some homeless people are much better off than a lot of wealthy people. However, there are also a lot of homeless people that are very stressed because of that financial burden. And I thought about that pain and that's when that moral obligation kicked in. I was like, I need to get the information that is out there so that I can put it into action so I can change my financial situation and turn around and change the financial situation of other people. And I think I'd say that's where the courage came from. It's really that moral obligation. Yeah. And so where did you learn about financing and stuff? Was that just trial and error? Did you have somebody kind of helping you showing you the ropes? Yeah. Um, you definitely should get a mentor always. I, um, bigger pockets was my mentor, the bigger pockets podcast, the bigger pockets nice. blogs. Anytime I had a question, mm-hmm. I would go on to bigger pockets and ask about it. And then I would say, I learned through taking action. So I never paid for like, I, I paid for a couple mentorships, but nobody was ever one-on-one walking through stuff with me. Yeah. And because of that, there was a bit of trial and error, applying the knowledge that I got, trial and error, applying the knowledge that I got, trial and error. So I'd get under contract for a property. I would learn a little bit about how the contract process goes. I would learn a little bit about how negotiation goes. And um, so I'd get knowledge from podcasts, books, and um, asking people questions on forms. And I would apply that knowledge and learn from the feedback. And that's kind of what the process has been. And for that reason, honestly, it's been slower. Like, you always got to check your risk tolerance. When I was in college three, four years ago, and I first started learning about this, I wasn't really willing to take massive action. And I didn't have the funds to really take right. massive action and wasn't creative enough to figure out how to get the funds. And so all of that fear kind of kept me paralyzed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say the process took longer than it needed to because I didn't seek direct mentorship consistently. Like don't get a mentor, stick with them for two months, get a mentor, Somebody you know, trust, and you want to be like, and walk with them for a year, walk with them for two years, and your whole life will change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was Jim Rohn that said we're the average of the five people we hang around, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so definitely pick your friends. And getting a mentor is good. Uh, there's And there's a big difference, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast, between a, a consultant, a coach, and a mentor, right? A consultant is brought in because they have the knowledge on how to do something. They do it. They have a deliverable, they deliver. Um, A coach helps you be a better person, a a better you, right? A mentor is like, I've done this, follow me, do what I do. And especially in this area, the real estate stuff, find somebody who's done it. Find somebody who's actually done this and then follow their process. Do what they do until you really learn and get on your own, then you can be creative. But find somebody to help you out with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of success, especially to get to a certain monetary point has a system. Yeah. It just straight up has a system. If you work the system and you work the system for long enough and you know, you, you have to work on your beliefs because if you don't believe the system will work when you're trying to sell and stuff, it'll come out. Um, but work the system and 
it'll it'll give you the results you want. Absolutely. So now when you're doing these wholesale deals, you have to approach the the homeowner, the person who's in distress and and talk to them. Do you help people with that? Do you help them with the scripts, exactly what to say and how to approach people? You know, I don't. I don't because um, I don't really want to be a wholesaling guru. I'm more on the coaching side, helping you be a better you. Cause I like to walk through life with people, ask the people the questions. Now you can ask me how I'm doing it and I'll tell you how I do it. But I just like to treat people like people. There's some information that I need. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to build some rapport and then I'm going to ask some questions. And oftentimes when you're function, when you're working with a distressed seller, you need to have that empathy first. And then you can just ask the questions you need to ask and they'll answer to the best of their ability. And it's a real like, low stakes conversation. Like if you know how to have conversations with people, you can kind of hop on the phone and um, just realize it's a person on the other end is exactly what I would say my biggest advice is. But yeah, I try to steer clear of scripts because I'm more on the, I want to grow together, which is why Mm -hmm. my mastermind, we talked about this before, is kind of in a re-engineering mode. I had a lower Mm -hmm. ticket offer where it was like, let's grow together. Right. Because I'm not where I want to be yet right now in the real estate game, in the coaching game, even in the podcast game, I've had a daily podcast for a minute, but it's not at the viewership where I want it to be. So I'm still growing. So I like, I really want to coach people. Let's grow together. People didn't respect that low ticket offer. For those of you listening right now, your lowest ticket customer will always be your biggest headache. That is like a common thing. In yeah. Business. <laughs> Definitely and, seems that way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so I experienced that, which is why I'm re-engineering the mastermind right now. But um, yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So the the creative deal makers, the people that come in are all bringing different skills. Are you helping kind of put them together in teams or do they kind of find their own way and, and find people to help them to, because basically they're finding something that, Hey, I don't know. I'm not a great salesperson. I don't like making cold calls. If I find somebody who's really good at that, then we can partner up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I help people find those partnerships. Really. It's like you come in the mastermind, we work together, we get first, first things first, clarity. Mm -hmm. You need clarity, because once you get some clarity, it's kind of easy to put the stuff together. But you need to know how it's going to work, how you're going to incentivize the people. And you need to make sure that 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 the incentive has product market fit, if that makes sense. That person needs to want to be incentivized that way. Once you get clarity on that, it's very simple to find the person like most of these people are either on LinkedIn in a Facebook group, or you can text everybody in your phone and ask if they know somebody like that and you'll get an intro. Okay. And then is this all just a promise and handshake or do you, do you encourage people to have contracts on the stuff they do? So it depends who the people are. Like I started the wholesaling business creatively with my brother and his friend. And so I needed funding for some of the marketing and they needed my knowledge. And so we kind of put those two things together and we got started. We got stuff under contract. And then we had another guy come in to do our dispositions. And that guy we signed a contract with because I I don't know you. We just met you. We're going to sign a contract. But I trust my brother and his friend. I would honestly say get a contract always. Always get a contract. It's the best way to do stuff. Now, when you're in the beginning and contracts might cost 500 to $1,000 to get really lawyered up and get it yeah. good and going, maybe get your cash flow first before you get that contract signed. But yeah. you always need it in writing. So have stuff- something. Yeah, have something in writing. Even family, I've found. Even family. Make sure you're all on the same page, working the same way, and there's no you know, misunderstandings or ambiguity. 
Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah. you mess around and you make 10000 30000 $50,000 and stuff wasn't clear. Now yeah. people are wanting to claim more than they were, um, than the handshake agreement was. Exactly. Exactly. So what's next for you? I mean, you're, I know you're reshaping the, the mastermind group and stuff like that. Um, what's on the horizon? What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So on the horizon for me, um, I, I really have two goals in my life. Um, financial freedom for myself and my family, and then raising the standard of living across the world to middle-class America so that people have the financial means of options. Like that excuse is taken away. <laughs> yeah. The um, I feel like in third world countries, it can be extremely hard to like do real estate deals like we do here in the US. Like that's just not, it's not the same. It's not the same. And so I really kind of want those options to equalize across hmm. the world. And so that's, those are my two big, hairy, audacious goals. I'd really only say one of them is big, hairy and audacious. The other one's kind of like, it's going to happen. Yeah. And so that's, what's next for me, but financial freedom is the first goal point, which is going to happen through real estate and getting my mastermind program really ramped up and running with some committed members. We are ramped up and running. The members weren't as committed which is why we're restructuring to the higher ticket offer. And um, those are the two things that are next for me, real estate, multifamily acquisitions and consistent profit with the wholesaling business. Excellent. Getting, I, I really want to keep it 10 to 20 members for the year. I mm -hmm. want it to be fairly local so we can meet up nice. regularly yep. and it's going to be much more high ticket so that I can give my full time and energy to them yeah. as well as they have their commitment and buy-in into the group so, as well as, keeping on with the daily podcast, which will generate leads for both sides. Yeah. So tell me about your podcast, Living the Dream. Who mm -hmm. do you talk to? Who do you have on the show? I literally have anybody with a dream or goal on the show. Okay. And so you have to be willing to talk about your dream or goal. You have to be willing to answer questions or just honestly say you don't know the answer to questions and you have to be okay with that. And then you have to be willing to be held accountable to those dreams and goals. Awesome. And so the idea is that my audience will reach out to that person, follow up with that person, because we're all, we all um, in the audience are going to have my mindset mm -hmm. of a super connector, somebody who really loves people and wants to help people take that next step by making that connection. Nice. And so, yep, that's the idea. So anybody who has a dreamer goal, it can be an author, a business owner, a nonprofit, somebody who wants to start a nonprofit, somebody who just um, wants to like help their brother out. Like that could be your goal. Come on and we'll figure out how we can help your brother out. And so that's the idea there. And um, yeah, mostly right now it is business owners. I would say people who have okay. something to market because mm -hmm. podcasts are a form of marketing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But um, eventually I want to just be kind of walking up to random people on the street and be like, Hey, you have a dream or goal. And part, I want the podcast to be a mini coaching session. Of like, you come on, we get clear on your dreams or goals, clear on who you need to meet, clear on your next action step, and then you do it the next week. Like, that's, right. what, that's what I want to happen. That is awesome. I, you know, I've always thought, wouldn't it be cool to just sit up a little table in a coffee shop? Because, you know, yeah. the coach is open, right? Coach is here. And just have people come over and say, here's what I want to do. And you just walk them through. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right. So if people want to learn more about you more about the podcast, more about the mastermind. How can they do that? What's your website? 
Absolutely. It's workwithtimmydouglas.com. And honestly, hit me up on Instagram, DM me. I'll message you back for sure. And if you want to hear more about real estate, more about the mastermind, more about anything, we can hop on a call. I literally love helping people out. It's why I started the podcast. It's why I'm on this podcast. It's why I talk to people all day, every day about their dreams and goals. It's like my first topic of conversation all the time. Sometimes people find it annoying, but it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's awesome. All right. And living the dream podcast available on all platforms, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, all the good stuff. I'm sure there are some out there that I'm not available on, but they're like the more obscure ones. Like I'm on like seven or eight platforms. I'm pretty sure. Perfect. Very cool. All right. I will make sure all of those links are in the, the show notes. So everybody knows how to get in touch with you and stuff. And thanks again for, uh, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. Very cool. All right. Listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes. Good information here. Check out living the dream podcast um, and check out the website to find out more about the creative dealmakers mastermind. And uh, yeah, once you get that up and running and stuff, we'll have you back on again and and talk about how it's going. For sure. All right. Very cool. All right. Listeners, share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.